0: The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, I'm Pastor Chris, welcome. Coastal Community Church. If you're a guest with us today, again, we especially uh, hope you feel welcome uh, at home. We hope you feel like our welcomed, expected guest, in fact, in our home. Uh, You're here on a great day, as Ryan said. Today uh, is Life Group Sunday. Uh, We believe that life is best lived out, our faith is grown, Uh, we grow as believers. through groups, through small groups. I love what we do on Sunday morning. I mean, I absolutely do. I love our worship. I love, you know, opening up the doors and uh, reaching out to as many people as possible and sharing the good news of the gospel. But it's, uh, you you know, it's difficult to really get to know people and develop friends uh, in a crowd. And uh, so we believe that life is best lived in community, that God expects us to, in fact, He created us for community. And uh, for relationships with him uh, and with others. And so we do life groups here at Coastal. Uh, life groups are, are small groups of people that meet uh, some here, uh, some all over Charleston uh, for a semester. Our groups are run on a semester basis, which means that's 8 to 12 weeks. And uh, so we believe that you can do anything, by the way, for a semester. And uh, so we encourage you to, to sign up. And if you'll notice in your bulletin today, uh, there's also a life group catalog. And we introduced this last week to go ahead and get you uh, an opportunity to peruse it and to kind of check out some of the groups. Uh, and you, so many of you have already signed up for life groups, which is awesome. Uh, our, kind of our mantra about signing up for groups is that you only have to sign up one time, one way. One time, one day, one way. But there are multiple sign-up you know, ways to sign up, multiple ways to sign up. Uh, you could uh, literally already have looked at the catalog, and uh, you, you signed up on your Connect card. On the back of your Connect card, you just basically say, oh, I want to be a part of uh, Financial Peace, and it's LG Financial. And then on your Connect card, uh, it has a place for you to literally write that down. And once you turn that in, you are officially signed up for your life group. So that's one way. Uh, another way, and I'm going to talk about th- that and this in just a minute, Uh, is for you today uh, to go out to the life group tent and even if you've already signed up for a life group even if in your mind you're going there is no way I'm signing up for a life group uh, we would encourage everybody to go out there because it's going to be a lot of fun Uh, we've got a lot of creative booths uh, uh, groups and uh, there's food out there too and we want you to vote Uh, So you get to vote on, like, best sales pitch, most creative, best snacks, and uh, all that's found inside uh, the tent. We'll talk about that in a moment. But so you could literally go out there, and there's sign-up lists, and you could sign up uh, at that booth. But again, if you've already signed up, you've already signed up for that group. Uh, The other way is you could go to our website. Uh, Our catalog is on our website. There's a form for you to fill out, and you could sign up there. Uh, So there's multiple ways to sign up. But again, you only have to sign up how many times? One time. How many ways? One way. Very good. So what's going to happen today? Well, as, uh, as Ryan said, our service today in general uh, is a little bit shorter, um, a little bit shorter length of time, uh, because what we're going to do is going to give everybody a lot of time uh, to kind of take a little field trip. So at the very end of our service, when this service is dismissed, and again, we're, I'm going to preach a message, we're going to have communion, our prayer and decision time, our closing song, everything's normal in here, but just a little bit condensed. And so, when you are dismissed, what we're asking everyone to do is to make your way over to the tent. And we're saying, do not go pick up your kids yet, because they are going to be doing their regular programming, their regular ministry. So, if any parents go over there early, like, "Oh, I'm going to get my kid early," you know, please don't do that, because you're actually going to interrupt their ministry, interrupt their program. And what we will do, we'll have a big announcement. You'll hear somebody on a big uh, bullhorn going, "It is now the normal time for you to go pick up your children." So, help us out with that. My wife is our children's director. She's going to be all over me. If you guys don't follow instructions, you're going to blame it on me. That's, you know, Chris, you didn't tell them. I "I did. I did tell them. Um, But that'll be a big help for us. If you'll please uh, kind of join with us in doing that. But then again, we want you to go over to the tent. And you're going to be able to, kind of like a job fair or a college fair where you show up in a big room and uh, you get to see all these displays of different you know job opportunities or colleges. Well, it's the same thing today for life groups. Uh, you're going to go over to the tent and uh, you're going to see all the different booths and leaders and uh, you're going to see some of the things that they're going to be doing. Uh, you're going to be able to talk to the different uh, leaders and, and there's a lot of creativity over there, a lot of excitement, a lot of energy and a lot of food. And uh, so we'll, we're going to feed you. uh, But if you'll make your way to the center uh, of the tent, uh, there are paper products at the center of the tent. There will be, uh, again, like plates and things like that that you might need at different booths for some of the food. Uh, There's drinks there in the center. But there's also uh, those ballots that I talked about. So you pick up a ballot, walk around, and uh, just check everything out. And, uh, you know, vote. There's a ballot box you can can drop off your, uh, your ballot in. And then next week we'll recognize. We have a little fun. It's the only time we allow judging. Here at Coastal, okay, you get to judge the booth, okay. We don't get to judge behavior, but you get to judge, uh, judge the booths and just kind of check them out. Um, and then again, we will blow it, make an announcement. And you go pick up your kids, and then there's still some more time before the next service begins. And I will say this: it is windy out there today. It is windy, so we got things blown all over the place. So be gracious with our leaders; they're probably going to hold up their uh, displays or put them in front of their table. Uh, but at least it's not raining, right? So that's good, right? Okay. Hey, um, we are in uh, week six of this series called Summer Reading. And I really do hope you've enjoyed this series. Uh, here at Costa, we believe that leaders are what? Readers. Leaders are readers. And uh, what, what we've done is we've, we've selected uh, as a staff... Uh, a group of about, uh, you know, six, seven books that we say, hey, these books are worth reading over the summer as we kind of head into the fall. And uh, so we've, we've provided a small number of those books in the back. In fact, we still have some back there. there. It's kind of on the honor system. Sometimes we have a staff member there and you can give, it's just $5 a book, okay? We're actually losing money, really, but um, we, we want you to read. And uh, so pick up the book, and if you, you know, you put the money in the offering plate or whatever you want to do, uh, but we would encourage you to pick up any or all of these books and uh, to read them. And I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've gotten something out of it, uh, because uh, it's been a good series for us. Uh, Today's book, uh, it really is the shortest uh, and, I, and I've kind of joked about it. There's about three books back there that are pretty short, and I keep saying that you could basically read it at a, at a sitting in the bathroom, okay? This one, for sure, it's really, really short, uh, which is appropriate today uh, because today, again, is going to be the shortest message uh, of this series as well. Uh, but it's a little book by Max Lucado, and I love Max uh, Lucado. He's a great author, uh, one of the most prolific Christian authors of our generation. Uh, has written a ton of books. And uh, this little book is entitled, God Will Use This for Good. God Will Use This for Good. Um, it's the story of Joseph. Man, I, I love this guy. I, it's one of my favorite Old Testament stories, my favorite Old Testament characters. Um, what stands out the most about Joseph, though, is his faithfulness. His faithfulness. I mean, uh, he, that really is encapsulates the whole story of Joseph. Here is a guy that just kept trusting God. I mean, just kept trusting God and, and being obedient, even though he goes through a series of unbelievable circumstances. And, you know, maybe you came here today and life has just dealt you a, a pretty tough hand. And, uh, you know, you're just overwhelmed. You weren't even sure you were going to be here today. You don't even feel like being here truthfully, but you came anyway, and you're just overwhelmed. I want to tell you something. You know, God understands, and there are people in the Bible that have been right where you're at, and Joseph is one of them. Um, At the age of 17, in the beginning of his life, it, it really seemed like he had everything going for him. Okay, this guy was good looking, he was intelligent, he was young, he was talented. I mean, kind of sounds like Pastor Chris, right? I mean, this was, you know, this was, no, anyway, this was the setting. Um, But he had everything going for him. But then one day in his life, I mean, everything turned upside down. Everything fell apart for him. The story begins in Genesis chapter 37 and it goes all the way to Genesis 50. And I'm going to give you a little overview, especially of the beginning of his life and then the rest of his life. But it starts in verse 2 through 4. Listen to this. This is the history of Jacob's family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks with his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. You like those names, right? That's pretty cool. Um, But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. By the way, stop right there for a second. Nobody likes a tattletale, do they, okay? I mean, there's already, you can see as you begin to read the story, there's some tension here, you know, with with Joseph and his brothers, and, and you kind of see a hint of it right there. Now, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him, in his old age. Now again, there we go. Partiality. You know, we know that's a no-no in a family, especially with a lot of kids. Um, but that's what's happening. And so again, you kind of see there's some there's some family issues here. Okay. So it says so one day uh, he gave Joseph a special gift, a beautiful robe. Now a lot of times we call that the coat of what. Coat of many colors. Maybe you grew up in you know, going to church as a kid. You remember the little flannel graph and the little, you know, uh, colorful robe or something. Uh, Or maybe you've seen the Broadway musical, right? Okay. Uh, So you're at least a little familiar with this. Uh, But his brothers hated Joseph because of his father's partiality. They couldn't even say a kind word to him. So it's bad, okay? Now, to make matters worse between Joseph and his brothers... Joseph then has a series of dreams, okay, a series of dreams where it's very obvious in these dreams that Joseph is the leader, and his brothers and everybody in the family, they're all basically his subordinates, okay? But he, he makes a mistake of actually sharing that with everybody. You know, every time he has a dream, he shares it with him, and again, basically the idea of the dream is, you know, I'm the boss and you're subservient to me. Okay, so that doesn't go over very well either, obviously. Not exactly, you know, it should have been, Joseph, keep that to yourself, okay? So, one day, all of Joseph's brothers are out in the fields taking care of his dad's flocks. And Jacob, uh, the dad, sends Joseph out to check on them. Okay, again, bad idea. And and again, as you're reading the story, you're almost wondering, well, why isn't Joseph out there working? You know, again, partiality, you know, hatred. I mean, it's all just coming to a boil. Verse 18 When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance and they made plans to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they exclaimed. Come on, let's kill him and let's throw him into a deep pit. We can tell our father that a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll, be, then we'll see what becomes of all his dreams. Wow. You think you come from a crazy family, right? Okay. So, now, again, you got to read the story. Now, evidently, one of the brothers, it's actually uh, Reuben, um, he feels a little guilty about killing him you know, actually killing him. So he devises this plan, kind of a little subplot behind the scene to try to keep Joseph alive and then come back later and rescue him. And he convinces the brothers that, well, instead of killing him outright and having, you know, their brother's blood on their hands, let's just beat the snot out of him, okay? Let's just brutalize him. Then we'll throw him in a deep pit and then just let him starve to death, right? That would be better. Uh, again, you gotta read the whole story of Joseph yourself. I don't know if any of you watch the television series Fargo. I mean, how you watch it's like one creepy thing after another happens, and you're wondering how in the world is all this gonna work together? And you're reading the story, and you're like, man, this is like an episode of Fargo, okay? Verse 23. So when Joseph arrived, they pulled off his beautiful robe, and they threw him in a pit, into the pit. Now again, it sounds really plain right there, but you got to imagine the brutality of actually what's happening here. It says, this pit was normally used to store water, but it was empty at the time. Now, by the way, this is a great example of uh, mob mentality. You know, people will do and say things in a large group that they would never normally do or say otherwise. Listen, watch out if you find yourself in a group, a large group, of bitter, angry people. Uh, Strikers on a picket line. Demonstrators in a march. Drunks in a bar. South Carolina fans in a football game. I mean, (laughs) it's coming, baby. You ready? Here it comes. Anyway, uh, dangerous, dangerous people. Uh, But seriously... You know, sometimes in a large group, think about it, and we see this all the time today. People talk big just to be heard, and then they gotta back it up or they think they look like cowards. And so this group of 10 angry brothers, they were dangerous just like that. Verse 25. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they noticed a caravan of camels coming in the distance toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking spices, balm, and myrrh from Gilead to Egypt. Wow, what a coincidence, right? A caravan just happens to be coming by right at this moment. Of course not. You know, this is not luck. This is the sovereignty of God. This is is a God moment, a God thing. You know, you, you need to hear this today. There are no accidents in the kingdom of God. You're not just here today by accident. You just didn't happen to get an invitation. You didn't just happen to find us on the internet. That friend didn't just happen to bring you here today, August 27th, this day, this message, you know, Life Group Sunday. God's got you here for a reason. And the same was true of Joseph. God was right in the middle of, of all of this. Verse 26. Judah said to his brothers, well, what can we gain by killing our brother? That would just give us a guilty conscience. Let's sell Joseph to these Ishmaelite traitors. Let's not be be responsible for his death. I love this part. After all, he is our brother. Okay? So it's like, oh, they do have a heart. You know, let, you know, let's make some money off of him, okay? Let's sell him as a slave. Uh, so his brothers agreed. So when the traders came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And the Ishmaelite traders took him along to Egypt. And again, it sounds so sanitary as you read it, but you've got to imagine all of the violence that's going along here. The brothers actually then, the Bible tell us, uh, tells us, uh, they kill a goat, uh, they dip, Uh, joseph's beautiful coat of many colors into the blood and they take it back to dad and they tell dad that they found it they came upon it in the field and so jacob believes that his son has been attacked and killed by a wild animal and get this all 10 brothers all of them they let their father believe this lie and they keep that secret for like the next 20 years And so in just a matter of hours, Joseph goes from being like the favorite son of an actually of a wealthy father to being a lowly slave in Egypt. Let me ask you, have you ever noticed just how quickly life can change? I mean, you begin a day like any other day, not suspecting that anything will change, anything will happen any differently, and all of a sudden, something happens, and your life is forever changed, forever different. You discover a lump, and you think it might be cancer. You get a phone call from the school saying that They think your child might have a learning disability. You go into your boss's office one morning, and he says, we don't need you anymore. You find a text that your spouse has sent to a lover. You get a phone call. Your dad's had a heart attack. You're just driving along on an ordinary day, thinking and doing nothing really out of, the, out of the normal routine of your day and a truck pulls out in front of you and all of a sudden you wake up in intensive care or maybe you're standing in front of your creator. It can happen so quickly, can it? By the way, I believe as your pastor, that is one of the reasons why you ought to join a life group the inevitable pits of life. I mean, I'm serious. Some of you today, you feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I've been beat up by life. I'm in a pit. In fact, I actually think that could be a life group slogan around here. Life's got you in the pits. Join a life group, you know? Like that, like that little segue there with the story, you know? Or you think your family is crazy? Wait till you join a life group. By the way, if you join a life group, you look around, man, nobody here is crazy. They're all normal. It's you. You're the crazy one, okay? Um, Every single person in this room today is in one of three places right now. You're either in a pit right now, today. I mean, that's the way you feel. Maybe you're finally coming out of one. You know, you, you, somebody helped pull you out. You, you, you came out, out, out of it. You, you see the light. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You're coming out of one, or you're headed into one. And my point is, We were never meant to go through life alone. Guys, we really do need each other. And and only a fool would go through all of life totally unprepared for what we know is going to happen eventually. That you're going to need community. That you're going to need friends. That you're gonna need those two, three o'clock in the morning friends one day. That life is full of storms or pits. Call them what you will, but that's life. And we really do need each other. People aren't just looking for a friendly church. They're really looking for friends, for, for community. And I'm not saying today, I'm not guaranteeing, you, hey, you sign up for a life group. It's going to be relational euphoria. And, and within this one semester, you're going to meet your best friends for life. Or if you're single, you're going to get married. Or, you know, whatever. But I am saying this. We're going to put you in an environment where over time, you're going to do life with some people. And you're going to have the opportunity to grow, to share your story, to listen to other people's stories, uh, and develop friends, to meet people just like you. You know, again, think about it. Here's Joseph. He's 17 years of age. He's young. He's healthy. He's got the whole world in front of him. And then all of a sudden, one day, he's tied up on his way to Egypt, a foreign land, to be sold as a slave. In fact, the Bible tells us that he's sold to a man named Potiphar. Now, get this. I mean, it goes from bad to worse. Potiphar was Pharaoh's chief executioner. Not exactly the guy you want to be sold to if you're a slave. And yet, Joseph remains faithful. Instead of blaming God, becoming bitter, he just determines, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to work hard. In fact, his master notices it and promotes him to like his administrative assistant. Look at verses two through four of chapter 39. The Lord was with Joseph. By the way, you hear that over and over again in the story. God was there. God was with him. God, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge, listen to this, of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. You know, it, it would have been so easy for Joseph to have a bad attitude though. You know, this isn't my home, these aren't my people, I I don't deserve this, but he doesn't do that. He makes the best of a bad situation. Somebody a long time ago coined the phrase, "Uh, bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Think about it. Joseph was planted for a reason, for a season in Egypt. He learns the language. He learns the culture. He served the people. And as a result of him trusting God and working hard and being faithful, he begins to find favor where he is planted from his master. Today, I want you personally to answer this question. Write it down on your outline. Where have I been planted? Where have I been planted? Think about it. Do you find yourself today in a bad situation, a tough spot? You got a job you don't like. You live in a town you don't like. Uh, you're, you're surrounded with people you don't like. Write it down today on your outline. Where am I planted? Hear me today. Like Joseph, God is waiting on you to show yourself faithful. He wants you to be faithful. He wants you to keep trusting him. You know, just like Joseph, instead of, you know, griping and complaining and whining, maybe it's time to make the best of the situation you find yourself in. Maybe God is waiting on you just to see if you will trust him, if you will continue to be faithful so that he could teach you and prepare you maybe for something even bigger. Something even greater that you don't see right now. But listen to this. It gets worse for Joseph. Trouble comes again. Potiphar's wife, okay, the wife of his master, tries to seduce him. He resists her advances again. He remains faithful. He does his best to try to avoid this woman. But then one day, she grabs him. And she tries to force him to bed. Joseph keeps trusting. He remains faithful. And he actually runs out of the house. She becomes furious. She's angered at his refusal. So she falsely accuses Joseph of rape, of attempted rape. And he's thrown in prison. I mean, again, it gets... It goes from bad to worse. Then, on top of all that, even though while he's in prison, he becomes this model prisoner, you know, I mean, again, God's with him. He prospers in all that he does, even in prison. So he gets to a point where he deserves, uh, he kind of earns an early release. But the very man, a friend of his in prison, who could have made all that possible, when he gets out, guess what? He forgets all about Joseph. And so Joseph just remains in prison. I mean, here's a guy who received undeserved treatment from his family, unexpected restrictions from the circumstances he finds himself in, untrue accusations from people, unfair abandonment from a friend that he once had. Now, you would would expect this, this guy to be bitter, Let me ask you, what would your response be? What would our response be in just calamity after calamity? I mean, how would you react year after year after year of terrible circumstances out of your control? Well, people say, well, you know, Pastor Chris, people grow, grow through adversity. What doesn't kill you, what? Makes you stronger. Well, that's a nice sentiment, but it's not always true. You know, I know people who buckle under adversity, I've seen people instead of getting better, they get bitter. I've known people who've walked out on their spouse. I've seen people shake their fist at God. I've seen people turn to alcohol or drugs or a series of, of unhealthy relationships. You, you'd expect Joseph to be bitter toward God and just assume that life is over for God and, and uh, for Joseph and that God could never use this guy. But Joseph just keeps trusting. And he remains faithful even though he can't see the hand of God. He trusts him. Listen, God might seem like he is silent in your life right now. Life might seem unfair. You might think you're getting the shaft. But God is still in control. And in the end, if you will let him, he has the miraculous ability to work all things together for the good of those who love him. Isaiah 43, two, listen to this. When you go through the deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Listen, God does not say you'll never have a flood. He says when the flood comes, I'll see to it you don't drown. He doesn't say you'll never have a fire. He says when the fire comes, I'll see to it that you're not burned. No matter what you are facing today, pour your heart out to God. Keep your eyes on him. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep remaining faithful. And through it all, our God promises, I will be with you. Those are five of the most powerful words in the entire Bible. I will be with you. And through it all, Joseph kept trusting. And as a result, here's the miracle. The rest of Joseph's life really becomes the very best of his life. God was not finished with him, and he ends up doing some amazing, miraculous things through this man. Joseph goes, listen again, from being in a pit, from being uh, a slave to being a prisoner. And then God does the unbelievable. Again, you really do need to read the story for yourself. In fact, today, everybody do me a favor. Take out your Connect card today. And uh, this is actually um, a next step That we're asking you, uh, those of you who are here today, feel willing to do it, uh, to take this next step. There on the bottom of the next step section on the back, it says, I will read Genesis 37 through 50. So we're asking you today, make a commitment to do that. But you know what? There in parentheses, we're even going to make it easy for you. If you actually check that box and turn that in today, what we're going to do for the next week is we're just going to send you like a a little daily, uh, almost like a daily devotional, but a daily scripture reading. We're going to break it down for you every day, so we'll just send it to you over the next week. Uh, you get a little e- email in your inbox, and you can pull that out and just read, read it together with us, and just read this story about Joseph and about his faithfulness. I promise you it'll be meaningful, and uh, it's a great commitment that you could make today, a great next step that you could take uh, to read this story with us. Now, get this. Okay, so here's the rest of Joseph's life. And you're going to read it this week. It's so amazing. God raises Joseph up to become the second in command in all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. And then God uses him to help save two nations from famine, Egypt and the children of Israel. And then 20 years later, when his brothers, okay, get this, yes, the very same brothers who beat him, who brutalized him, who threw him into a pit, who sold him for, you know, into slavery, when they come into Egypt begging for food so that they will not die, guess who they have to ask? Joseph. They don't recognize him. I mean, a lot of time has passed. He's been living now a life, at this point, a life of royalty, you know, with the Pharaoh, but Joseph recognizes them. The last time they saw him, he was 17, and now he's almost 40. So, I mean, you're reading the story, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is gonna get good, right? This is gonna be like the Red Wedding, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, this is the perfect opportunity for revenge, I mean, the one that, that uh, they had ridiculed and abused and sold, he now has the power of life and death over them. But listen to Joseph's response. Genesis 45, 4 through 5. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they'd done so, he said, oh my goodness, man, you could just see the drama. You just hear it. I I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Can you imagine the look on their faces? Can you imagine the pounding of their heart in their chest? And now, do not be distressed. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Listen to this. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Wow. What a, what a vision. What, what, a, what a heart. What a, what a kingdom mindset. In fact, listen to what he says at the, in the last chapter, Genesis 50, verse 20. As far as I am concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to the high position that I have today so that I could save the lives of many people. Wow. Let me tie all this together really quickly. Again, I don't know the hand that you were dealt. I don't know all the pain that has been put on you by other people but I do know this God is not finished with you our God is not finished with you our God really is the God of second chances He's the the God of do-overs. He's the God of mulligans. You get a do-over with God. And listen to me, what other people even might have meant for evil in your life to harm you, to hurt you, listen to me, God still has the ability to turn that into good. So much so that just like this man here, The rest of your life can be the best of your life. The rest of your life can be used to minister to other people, to save other people, to reach out to other people. God's not finished with you. You needed to hear that today. I pray you'll read the story. More than that, I pray that together we will remain faithful. Listen, God loves you and he does have a plan for your life. And some of you are here maybe for the first time or you've been coming for a while and you've been kicking the tires, trying to just get a feel for this thing called faith and this journey of the Christian life. Listen, today's the day. Why not make today the day that you say, I believe. I do have faith. I believe that God loved me so much that he was willing to sacrifice his one and only son, Jesus, for me and my sin. The sin in my life that has separated me from God. And today I come clean. Today I admit that. and I put all my faith and my trust in Jesus, his son, that died on the cross for me and rose from the dead and is alive. Are you ready to make that step of faith? You can right here and right now today. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, today, God, we worship you and we thank you for Jesus. God, I don't know all the stories of the people here in this room today. I don't know the pain and the difficulty and the hardship that's felt in this moment right now. I don't don't know the pain and the evil and the hurt that was put on people by others here in this room. But you do. And you can even use all of it to bring about good. And you're not finished with anybody here. No matter your experience, no matter your past, no matter where you've been or what you've done, Our God today is ready to use you to do great, great things, to love you, to have a relationship with you, and to see you through everything. The only requirement is faith. And it's not as much as you think, it's one step. One step toward God, and if you will take that one step toward him, he will make up all the distance. In fact, listen to this, he's already done everything Required. It's just faith. Pour out your heart to him right now and say, dear loving father, I do believe. I believe you sent your son for me. I believe he went to the cross for me. I believe that death and sin and this world could not contain him and he rose from the dead and he is alive. And as much as I know how, as much as I understand, today I place my trust in him and him alone. And now, God, for the rest of my days on this earth, until I see you face to face or you call me home and return and take us all home, God, I just want to follow Jesus. I want to walk in your grace and follow him. And I just want to become more and more like you now see me today, forgiven clean, clear conscience brand new resurrected life I just want to follow him and Father I pray for our church may we be a church that um, never gives up on people may we be a church that keeps reaching out, may we be a church that lives the uh, this principle that um, you're not finished with people and you are the God of of second chances and third chances and and unlimited chances. Help us to be a church of love, truth, and grace. We love you, Father. We pray all these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.